0: Have you ever put your all into something and kicked up the dust in the process of great activity only to find that after the dust has settled that your all wasn't very much at all? That you're left looking over your handiwork and it's far less grand than you imagined when you began? Most of us know the feeling. Don't let that stop you from being faithful to your calling and the dream that God gave you in serving Him. Welcome, everyone, to the ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and it's been my honor to be the Bible teacher at this ministry for over 20 years. We rejoice to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its missions fellowship, the Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we turn to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1-8, through eight and consider a message given to a discouraged band of workers for the Lord. They're not impressed as they look over what it is they've offered to God in all their labors, but now they're told that God will make their little labors impressive in His good time. This is the second message that Haggai delivers to the people of Israel who have returned from their captivity in Babylon and been sent back to Jerusalem with an edict under the edict of Cyrus the Great of Persia to go and return and build to the God of Israel and the God of gods, build there a temple unto his name. And so they've been sent back by Cyrus, they arrive and when they first arrive it's a miraculous return. Cyrus, they have been drawn out of the land of Israel because of God's judgment upon them by the great king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Now they're being sent back some years later by the great king Cyrus of Persia who has overtaken the Babylonian empire, established his own empire, and he has read a letter, in a sense, that was written to him, written by the hand of Isaiah the prophet 200 years before he had basically come to this moment in time a letter from God that has his name on it and mentions him twice and explains the purpose for his conquest and why he was raised up by the God of Israel. And it was so that he might send the people, of the Jews, back to Jerusalem to rebuild his temple and Cyrus obeys the letter and the instruction that God gives him and God gave him 200 years before that moment. It's a humbling moment for the king. He sends the people back after this miraculous discovery They go back, they begin the work of building the temple, they lay the foundation out within the first year or so of them arriving, but they immediately begin finding resistance within their own country and within that region, and in the midst of that resistance, they stop the work of building the temple, and soon they lose interest in the work altogether. Haggai shows up some 16 years after they've been sent back by King Cyrus and calls upon them to turn back to the interest that God has for them and to build the temple and to have it completed. During this time, by the way, in which they lose interest in building the temple, they haven't lost interest in their own programs, their own issues, their own things. But they, as they've been pursuing their own life and their own pleasure and their own satisfaction, they're not gaining any ground. They're not having any success. Haggai explains to them the reason why that's taken place, and that's because they have neglected the interest of God, first and foremost, that God sent them back to do. Well, they obey the word of Haggai, and they... They give themselves back to the reconstruction of the temple. Here were the points that we made from that initial message that Haggai brings to the people in Haggai chapter 1. And the first thing we pointed out was that God calls us to raise up the temple of his presence in our communities to the work that takes place in the local church and the planting of local churches. The second thing we noted is that we come to this calling by way of a great miracle, God has rescued us and redeemed us and called us out to carry out a work that Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says God had prepared in advance for us to do. There we read, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 goes on to tell us, that's verses 8 and 9. Verse 10 goes on to say that we are God's workmanship, to do the work that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Go on and read the rest of Ephesians chapter 2, and you'll see that Paul begins then to describe what that work is. It's a letter, and it's a work in which Paul is giving instruction to a little local church in Ephesus and the people there on the work and the labor to give and building up the church, raising the church up. And so at the end of chapter 2 of Ephesians, in verses 19 and 20, 19 through 22, Paul says this, now, therefore, speaking of this work you're to do and why you've been saved and how God has miraculously called you out for this purpose. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And from there, in chapters 3 and chapters 4 and chapters 5 and chapter 6, Paul will give instruction to this little gathering of saints in Ephesians on how they're to carry out their lives in the church and to see it grow and see it expanded. That was their work. That was their calling. So just as God had raised up the Jews that were in exile in Babylon and sent them back by this miraculous working in the heart of the king Cyrus to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple in a greater and more profound way. God has raised us and called us out and sent us forward to raise up his temple in this place. So we've been called to this work by a great miracle. The third point we had is this work of building God's church is hard work. And here was point number four when you come against hard work and you come against resistance, our natural tendency and the tendency of our flesh is to delay and put the work aside, to think of other things that we can do. Usually when we delay and put that work aside because it's difficult and hard, we we don't seem to tire at doing our own things and pursuing our own work. And the fifth thing we noted is the result of neglecting God's interest is that God neglects ours. We found actually in that an opposite promise, and the promise was this, and it was hopeful that when we give ourselves to the priorities of God's call upon our life, when we give ourselves to God's interest, God gives Himself to us. In fact, we said it this way, God glorifies Himself by satisfying our lives when we satisfy ourselves in His service. There's a work God's called us to. It's easy to step back from it because it's not easy, it's hard, but we've been called to it by a miracle of God and if we draw back from it, we'll suffer in our lives as well. We'll suffer ourselves and the benefits and blessings that God would pour upon our lives. But when we give ourselves that work, when we give ourselves that labor, when we give ourselves to God's interest and we put that first and foremost in our lives, God elevates our lives and He blesses us. It becomes a source of blessing for our marriages and for our homes and a blessing for us in every way. So... Haggai gives this message to the people of Israel after they've gone back to Jerusalem and they've stalled in the work that God has given them and they've stopped and they've neglected the foundation that they laid for over 16 years and they receive his word. They respond to this confrontation and they go about clearing the way for the foundation and laying the groundwork to once again begin building the temple and it's now that Haggai comes to them with a second message that he's going to speak to them. In the first message, he gives them a word of exhortation, which is basically get back to work that God has called you to. In the second message, he is going to give them a word of encouragement. He's going to say, be strong and keep up the work you've begun. Let's kind of look and understand a little bit of what's taking place here just before this message comes. There are a few weeks after the point in time in which this first message has come by Mehagai, they have given themselves now to the re establishing of the foundation, clearing off the rubble and the dust and the dirt that's accumulated over the years that have gone by. They go back to the altar that they built, because it's the other thing they built when they first returned to Jerusalem, as they reestablish the altar of sacrifice, and there they celebrate the feast of tabernacles. And on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is a great day of rejoicing. That day has come, and they finished their rejoicing. And now, in a sense, the initial enthusiasm of re-giving themselves to the work that was being done, that which they neglected, they had repented of their neglect. They had returned to the work. There had to be a sense of freeing in that and excitement in that. And then they were engaged in this great celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles as they remembered how God had gone with the nation of Israel through the wilderness and God had led them into the Promised Land and God had brought to the point where they had built that great temple by Solomon. They come to the last day of celebration and their horns are blowing and they're celebrating. And now, when all that is gone and done, there's this moment of silence. And they look out before them and they see a barren foundation of a temple that's been stripped down to the stones that are sticking out of the ground. And they then consider the resources that they have to go, they take stock in what they have to go on building that temple. And... They think of what the temple once had been and what it is now is just rubble along the ground. They experience overwhelming discouragement. What it had been, what they're celebrating, what they're rejoicing in, the work that's before them, the limited resources that they have, the impossibility of the task. To reclaim and reestablish something that was a a message of how God had blessed the nations and raised up a great kingdom with David and Solomon and the great kings and they feel as what they have now is nothing. It's estimated that the temple that Solomon built had within it close to one half of all of the available gold of the ancient world. Someone has taken the measurements and the amount of gold and put a value on it for gold in our day and age and said that it would exceed far more than the gold and silver that was in that temple at that time, far more than $400 billion. And now they're looking at a pile of rocks that they're to build upon. And the immediate excitement has dissipated and gone away and... There are a few among them actually who had seen and been alive when Solomon's temple still stood there, and they begin to weep profusely. Actually, Ezra tells us the same story. Ezra points out, maybe we'll read it just a little bit in a short moment, the reaction of those who remember Solomon's temple and how they began to weep. But it's in this situation, in this low moment, this low moment, that Haggai comes with the message we read here in chapter 2. Let me read it to you, verses 1 through 8. In the seventh month, in the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as Nothing. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace says the Lord of Hosts. As we said before, the first message that Haggai preaches is a word of exhortation, which says, get back and go to work. And the second message is a word of encouragement, which says, be strong and keep on working. That's the message. Let's have three things that we're going to look at this morning. And the first thing we want to just see here is something of the setting in which this message comes to the people. We want to look into it a little bit further and apply it to ourselves. We want to see something of and allow to cement in our hearts something of the setting into which these words of encouragement come because you will likely find yourself, if you give yourself to the service of the Lord Jesus, you will find yourself in this kind of setting more than once. And You'll need to remember where to go for encouragement in those moments. This has been the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.